Welcome to What's Next, Cornet Global's podcast that puts members on the mic for thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. In this episode, Laura Morris, Managing Principal with Perkins and Will, discusses Will There Be a Watson in the Workplace? Okay, good afternoon. I think we're about ready to get started. Thanks for coming to the Technology Playground, sponsored by Savile Studley. Uh, we're excited to have Laura Morris here today, a principal with Perkins & Will, uh, leading, uh, <clears throat> leading corporate interiors and workspace strategy for their D.C. office. Uh, we're going to hear about uh, will there be a Watson for the workplace. So thanks, Laura. Looking forward to your presentation. Thank you very much, Brian. Well, thank you, everybody, for being here. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about artificial intelligence. We know it's really transforming business process, and obviously that is the buzzword for this conference. We've heard a lot about artificial intelligence. Um, But I'm going to take a look at how I think it's going to begin to influence the workspace as we know it today. So the reason I chose Watson is it's pretty familiar. Most people have seen the commercials. And Watson is the deep learning artificial intelligence uh, by IBM. So we, you know, a lot of different uh, industries are accessing the Watson technology. So they're doing, using it for research in healthcare to mitigate disruptions. Um, you know, thinking about like insurance companies are looking at it for risk mitigation. So there are a lot of different applications to use a deep learning um, artificial intelligence component. Um, You may have seen some of the commercials that Watson puts out that really show quite the diversity of what artificial intelligence can do. My favorite is actually the engineering one where um, the the mechanic shows up at the building and tells the security guard, I'm here to fix the elevator. And the security guard says, but the elevator's not broken. And then he comes back and says, well, I fixed the elevator. And the security guard said, but it wasn't broken. But he took care of it before because they knew it was going to break. Or the other one where the... um, Uh, The farmer is uh, using the satellite technology and weather to understand um, crop irrigation. So there's so many, uh, just a myriad of of opportunities to utilize artificial intelligence. So the difference between data inquiry technology and artificial intelligence is, think about it as data inquiry is like a static database. So you have a static amount of data that you can access and learn from. But artificial intelligence, the difference is that it's really iterative, evolving, and learning. So it's changing over time. The more information you put in, the more you're going to learn. And the more and the smarter it's going to get, and it continues to evolve over time. So the definition of artificial intelligence is that systems that extend human capability by sensing, comprehending, acting, and learning. So if we think about workflow in the past, workflow was more, you know, started to become automated, and there were definitely productivity increases through automation. So think linear and repetitive. But where we're going in the future, the transformation in business process um, is more about augmenting our human capabilities. So currently, we are in the third wave of business transformation. The first wave was standardized process. And with standardized process, and I apologize, I can see that the, um, uh, the, um, the fonts are not compatible with this computer, so it's not quite right. But anyway, you get the picture. Standardized process. So think Henry Ford, think assembly line. Um, the next wave of business process was really automated. So if you think about the 1970s to the 90s, uh, the big buzzword was business process engineering. So that enabled companies like um, 
um, like UPS to transform from a, um, a package delivery company to really a global logistics company. And then the third way we are in now, which is the adaptive process. So what that means is it really has built on the, the previous two process um, uh, levels, but it's looking at faster, more flexible, but it's adaptive and it adapts to the behaviors and the preferences of the workers. So some of the adaptive processes that we're using today are things like Waze. So Waze takes the AI algorithms, it com combines that with crowdsourcing and real-time data to, under to create a dynamic and living map that changes and moderates as um, conditions change. Stitch Fix is another really great application. Um, you, you, it combines the AI algorithm, but also a personal shopper. So you've got the human and um, machine together. And as a person, a shopper is sending things back or giving their preferences, they're starting to tailor and hone more towards the preferences of that buyer. Autodesk is another one that's interesting. And I, I by accident, had the opportunity to visit their innovation center in Southport yesterday thanks to HIT Construction, who took a chapter group of ours over there. And I had been reading about the work uh, they've been doing with generative design process. And that really is the process where you can input a lot of data parameters. So if you think about, I want to design a chair. So I'm going to put in data parameters around the chair must hold this much weight. It should be this size. It has to do certain things. And then the AI algorithm can spin through that and, and, and come up with different options and opportunities. But then you pair that with a human curator, somebody who can then take those options and maybe they're coming up with things that they never would have thought of because we have certain bias, oh, a chair always looks like this. Um, so you have opportunities to really expand that design process. Um, there's a really great book called, the um, called Human and Machine. And they talk about something called the missing middle. And actually, those of you who were in the keynote um, session yesterday, Dr. Ken Goldberg, uh, referred to it as multiplicity. So this is really the combination of human and machine working together. So rather than think of us as adversarial partners, it's more about being symbiotic partners. So if you think about, you know, what do humans do well that machines can't? What do machines do well that humans can't? So rather than being adversarial partners or working independently, what if we put those two together? What if we maximize, um, you know, what we can do to give us almost super, superhuman strengths? Because, you know, we do, we have improvisation, dexterity, judging, creativity, but machines do much better than us, you know, speed, accuracy, repetition, uh, predictive capabilities and scalability. Um, and I think, uh, I think it was Kate Darling yesterday who referenced the Terminator. And, you know, if you think about pop culture, we, everybody used to think, oh, machines are going to take over the world like Terminator or 2001 Space Odyssey. But I like to look at it more, um, and so I have children, teenagers. They love Marvel comics. And uh, I think about it like Iron Man. So Iron Man, if you think, if any of you who know that, who that is, Tony Stark is a human. He's a very smart human. And he created this suit, this bodysuit. So when he's in this bodysuit, it gives him superhuman strengths. So it's not the bodysuit on its own, it's not him on its own, but the combination gives him superhuman powers. 
So other things that we're seeing with AI, it's really becoming the face of a lot of brands. So everybody's familiar with Amazon Alexa, and then Microsoft has Cortana, Nuance Communications has their Nina chatbot. And as we start to use these different technologies, um, we're learning that um, we are learning from the technology as the technologies are learning from us. Um, somebody I work with actually was talking about training her Alexa. She said, oh yeah, it's great. Now Alexa's asking me at eight o'clock in the morning, should I order an Uber for you? Because Alexa has been trained that at around eight o'clock, um, she, Nadia, usually orders the Uber. So, you know, if you think about it in a circle, it's constantly getting better in learning. That's the difference really than that static process. So thinking about how will this technology really start to influence and impact the workplace as we know it today. And I think it's going to be all about employee experience. Um, a recent study that CBRE did, uh, they polled corporate real estate executives and asked what they thought the biggest innovation opportunity would be in our industry, corporate real estate. And they said, employee workplace experience. Dr. Andrea Chegat, who's the director of the MIT uh, Real Estate Innovation Lab, talked about um, the new culture that's created by shared office environments that are backed by big data. So these are leading to smarter workplaces that serve both users and providers. And what it means for the user is that the office focuses on their needs and experience, but um, you know, also for the investor or for the, the asset owner, the data provides greater understanding of how to cater to the future of that in the changing nature of work. So there was uh, another study recently that was done by JLL and Cornet combined, and uh, they found that 85% of executives believe that smart building solutions can directly benefit employee satisfaction and impact productivity. The problem is, we're in the real estate industry, which is the largest industry in the world. And I think some, one of the, the um, uh, keynote speakers mentioned yesterday that, it, in the same uh, comment from Cohen von Ostrom, that it is the last industry to really adopt this type of, type of innovative technology. So when you think about the office product that's out there now, we have a lot of dumb buildings. I mean, the buildings are there, they give us office space, but they don't do anything for us. We just utilize the space that's there. About 25, 30 years ago, of course, everybody started talking about sustainable buildings. So we were focused on you know, carbon footprint, reducing energy. But really, the future is all about smart buildings. Smart buildings um, are have, have, we're starting to see them come into being. Uh, this is an example in the background of a building called The Edge in Amsterdam. And uh, Cohen van Ostrom, who was the developer who worked with Deloitte Consulting, so this building was built for, Del for Deloitte, and his goal was to create the most innovative and sustainable building in the world. And he did succeed. And I won't go into all of the strategies that they used on the sus sustainability side, but if you look up The Edge, um, in Amsterdam, you can read about it. It's really quite fascinating. But I'll fo focus more on the smart technologies. So the next question is, what is a smart building? 
So a smart building is something that is living. It's actually learning from its users. And a couple of the criteria that Cohen Van Ostrom talks about, he feels that are important in a smart building, are that it has to make our life easier. The technology there has to make our life easier. It should make our life healthier. It should be energy neutral. But it's also got to be fun and engaging. It's got to be a reason, there's got to be a reason that people want to come into the office. So the secret behind the Building the Edge um, is uh, an LED connected lighting system. And this was developed by Philips. And what it does, there are thousands and thousands of sensors in the lighting system in the ceiling. And these sensors, the light and the technology, go move over Ethernet and they're connected to the network of the building. And these sensors um, are constantly monitoring. They can uh, monitor light, temperature, movement and infrared and the collecting all of that data also helps the building improve and understand when people are on certain floors or not on certain floors. And then working with Deloitte they were able to create an app that really enhanced the user experience. So this app allows the employees if you're working in a specific zone you can point the app to the, sen to the sensor in your immediate zone and it can control the lighting, the temperature, the shades on the window, um, you can use this app to reserve or find a workspace, a place to meet, to find out where your colleagues are in the building, and even to order um, a dinner to be made to take home at the end of the day. It's really quite amazing. And we're starting to see some of this technology come across the pond. Um, Perkins and Will just completed the North American headquarters for Unilever, and that was in New Jersey, and they um, so interestingly enough, they, uh, the, the developers who developed the Edge um, have broken off and created something called Edge Technologies. And Unilever is currently using Edge Technology app, which is offering them the same type of user experience that the Deloitte uh, employees are getting over at the Building the Edge in Amsterdam. So we, um, as a company, are really interested to see um, you know, to go back and do a post-occupancy evaluation to see how that's really affected satisfaction and productivity um, and engagement within their new corporate headquarters. So not just looking at single buildings, though. Um, we're starting to see tech focus in the broader realm of real estate. And ironically, this is all coming from tech companies, not from real estate companies. Um, but this, uh, their, uh, Google's parent, Apple, um, has an urban innovation arm, and it's called Sidewalk Labs. And they are currently partnering with the city of Toronto to create a completely connected urban environment. They're looking at redeveloping um, an area of the waterfront, and they're calling it Quayside. So this con completely connected environment, their goal is to have um, you know, universal Wi-Fi, um, complete mobility, sustainability, um, affordable housing, and economic opportunity. So imagine in the future, 15, 10, 15 years from now, if you were going to work at a building, maybe in a completely connected community like Quayside, what that might look like. Okay, thanks.
Thank you. Your first meeting is at 10.30. Please proceed to the elevators. Have a good day. And you. Lisa is in today. Lunch. Good for me. Invite sent. Have you seen the latest report? No. Your coffee will be ready in five, four, three, two, one. Thank you. Tip sent. This building uses sensors to make your day more productive. Need a desk? Maybe later. Sure. How's the temperature? It's fine. Ready to start your meeting with Eloise Dupont? I am indeed. I'll let her know. Bonjour, Amy. Ça va? Bonjour, Eloise. Hold on. Auto translating. Vous avez vérifié le document que je vous ai envoyé? Yeah. All looks great. Thanks very much. Au revoir. Bonne journée. Au revoir. Merci. So I'd like to open it up for questions. <laughs> what does everybody think? Do you think we're going to work this way? I hope so. I think it's pretty cool. How far have they gone in smart building? So um, I think it's the research that I've done. I know that was really the first of its kind. but. And so there's a combination there, though. There's a big sustainability component, and they're a completely net zero building, and um, they have solar, and they have a lot of different things. So that combination, we're still we're doing in some of the net zero buildings, um, you know, here, and even my firm, we're looking at, at partnering with different developers for net zero. But then the other component of it, which is the technology and the AI component, I think that's where we're seeing a lot of... Um, user apps. Um, you probably, I mean, Comfy is here, um, Moto Labs, um, Edge Technologies. So Edge Technologies was really the offshoot of the, the Edge building. So hopefully, I mean, that was a developer and uh, tenant driven. Uh, the Unilever headquarters was obviously a tenant driven in adoption. But it'll be interesting to see if developers really take that on because, um, you know, it's I think one of the reasons that the real estate industry hasn't really adopted a lot of these new technologies is because the developers can build a building and they make just as much money as they would anyway, you know, whether they put in all this technology which is, which is more expensive or not. So I think it has to really be driven by the tenants and the users. But, I, but we are currently doing a lot of building repositionings with, client, with, with um, you know, building owners that are realizing that they are having to compete with you know, new product, new technology, and so they're looking to, to um, implement and integrate some of that. I don't think we're close yet, but I, we're starting to see scratch the surface. But if you have, you know, full building users like a Unilever a headquarters, I think you'll start to see fuller adoption, you know, on a broader scale. I think it's going to take time to get it to the smaller tenant level and the building owners. Mm -hmm. Well, I think a lot of that, you know, is coming out. It's a question, again, of, you know, adoption and um, scalability because, um, you know, the Apple glasses and, and the different things that we're seeing, they're start, you know, they're, they're beta testing a lot of that. It's starting to come out, but we're just not seeing it, you know, really supported fully. So I, I, I think we're probably three to four years away. 
Um, you know, it's well. In, you remember, I think it was yesterday. Also in the keynote, he said it's it's not changing. What did he say? It was not. I think it was Ken Goldberg. He said um, it's not changing as fast as we think it is, but then it's changing. It ends up changing faster. We think in two years there'll be all this crazy new technology, and it's not as much as what we thought. But then by ten years, it's so much more than we ever thought it would be in ten years. So, so yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, thank you, everyone, for your attention. Thank you for tuning in to What's Next. Have an idea or a point of view? Want to record a podcast of your own? Visit cornetglobal.org forward slash podcast.